Welcome to the 6AM Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6AMRun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the 6AM Run Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Paisant. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. As always, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. And also head over to that Facebook page. There's a huge community over there, over 30,000 people in that Facebook family. Always, I always say there's there's no better motivation and inspiration in the world than runners online who don't know you. They will continually motivate you and tell you good job. So head over there and check it out. So like I say all the time, the show may have run in the name, but we don't just talk about running. I like to give people the full service. And we've had career coaches on here. We've had mental health experts on here. We've had people talk about a myriad of things, but I haven't had anybody yet to talk about financial health, financial security, fiscal responsibility. And I know a lot of us are working through, let's be honest, this inflation, the up and down markets, all that stuff. And half of us don't know what they're talking about. So this week I have Derek Gant on the show. Derek is going to help us out. But Derek, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go just introduce yourself for our audience? Well, Mark, thank you so much. I will say that with your name, man, I just feel like it should be speaking French or something. Yes. Right? I'm just saying. Yes. I just wish I could because it sounds like your name is French and I should be speaking French. But I am a financial expert and it's not egotistical. I've been managing retirement portfolios, investment portfolios, and helping people with financial plans for well over 30 years. I've been saying three decades because it doesn't sound as long as 30 years, but it's still 30 years. And so if you do something that long, you better be an expert or you better quit. So I am the right person for the 6 a.m. run club because I'm not that boring accounting dude. We're going to talk about whatever you want, but it's going to be exciting. We're going to make it applicable and we're going to make sure that it sets it off. But I wrote a book called the 24K Life Code. It's exactly what you cover, which is, hey, here's the five core things that everybody needs to master. And of course, finance being one of them, which is what we'll talk about today. So I'm excited to talk about this with you and the 6 a.m. Run Club. Uh, I love it. You're absolutely right. Last name is French, Paisan. I was born in New Orleans, so that's how I, I, I got that. And um, and you know what? My, my father was an accountant, a CPA for, for many years. And if you talk about a guy that is by the book, <laughs> analytical, stoic, just right. his, brain, his brain works very... Right. Yeah, you know, and uh, I know exactly what you mean, but I'm going to kind of start it here because it's kind of a broad question, but I, I think you're the perfect person to kind of lead us off. Like, 
What do people, what do generally people, especially adults, especially parents, just get wrong about money and financial management? What do they get wrong about it? I mean, I believe what people get wrong the most is that it's such an integral part. And as long as people have income coming in, they normally don't track the details. You're talking about your dad being monotonous and <laughs> counting pennies. Um, you didn't really say that, but you know, we know that's what you meant. And But I think that what people miss is that it's a finite, they don't want to believe they're on a fixed income. But if you make $180,000 and you bring in 180 and after tax, you know, you're at 125 and you spend 125, you're still on a fixed income. And so I think that people don't track is basically what I'm saying. And society makes it so incredibly easy for us not to track where we're spending our money that it gets lost in the muck and the mire. And before you know it, you have some major thing pop up and major things. You know, you were telling me about the girls, a major thing could be some huge soccer camp. You got two kids that got to go to this amazing soccer camp um, that just popped up. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's $2,800. You decide to do it. And, but you don't really know how much that 28 is going to affect the rest of your financial picture. I, it's, I know exactly what you just said. I know that is that is my life. When when you ask them if they want to play, and both say yes, and you're like, ah, okay, all right, let's 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 make this work. So, um, well, let's go ahead and get into it because people. I think one of the things that, not one of the things, but you know, we we know that on social media, everybody will talk about every. They'll talk about everything. Their their political stance, their religion, how they feel about things. But the one thing people will, will not talk about <laughs> is money. And we won't like it. And I understand the stigma around talking about money. Right. And But that kind of leads us to not knowing what we're worth. Exactly. Or, or, or being underpaid. So in, in regard to that salary we talked about, and, and I think everyone should always try to get paid as much as they can get paid. I, 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 I want people to get paid what they're worth. But when it comes to talking about paychecks, money, how much you're making, how much your bonus is going to be, like, where do you stand on all that? You know, what's so funny, bro, is that I did a TED talk and the title of the TED talk is and was, why is money taboo? Can't talk about it. Not a lot to talk about. It. It's not a water cooler conversation. So I'm against it, right? I'm, I'm for people understanding what their worth is. I don't believe that everybody, you know, I'm an employer. So um, I'm, I'm a believer that, yeah, you don't want everybody running around, you know, every time something pops off saying this is what I make. But at the same time as um, a service provider, and that means if you work for a company, if you work as for, for anybody, if you work a nine to five for someone else, you're, you provide a service or expertise, you should have some sort of semblance of what the value is of the services that you're being offered and then be able to identify the uniqueness of the deliverer because you deliver, I deliver financial content a different way than the other 4,000 financial consultants out in the universe. It just is. There's no two of us that are alike. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of understanding what your worth is, understanding what the value of the service that you provide, and then in, in incorporating, you know, what your unique special delivery is. Okay. No, I, I totally agree with you on that. And, and 
you know, for uh, uh, since we're talking about that, you know, we have people that are coming right out of college, people that are getting into the workforce, and people that want to be fiscally responsible. They see that things are just getting more expensive. They're seeing it's getting harder to buy a house, to live mm-hmm. on your own, all that good stuff. And people want to plan for the future. If I'm that new person to investing, if I'm a new person to getting my my own checking and savings account, what are some little things I can start doing to make sure I'm prepared for my future right when I get into the workforce? You know, you have to separate church and state. So you really you asked me earlier, what is the number one problem for people? And I said they don't mind the details. What that really means is that they do not have a money system. They don't have a system. They get a bill, they pay it. They want to buy groceries, they buy it. They need gas, they get it. But they don't really have a money system. And so I will tell you that every dollar has a duty and you need to assign a duty like a military colonel, right? Like it's a Gitmo dollar. (laughs) You need to assign a duty to every dollar that's coming in your system and it's going out of your system so that you know what money is for movies, what money is for bills, for the car payment, for the insurance, what money is for you know, uh, oil change in three months. And so for young people just getting started, I would say they need to separate church and state. And to me, what I'm saying financially is that you need to separate your play money that you like to go drinking with from your car auto payment money. Um, You know, separate that money out two completely separate accounts so that you know how much money you have available for fun, Um, and, and, um, your personal care and how much money you have for necessities, like your rent, your mortgage, your bills, student loans. No, I think that's, that's great advice. And I think that is, it's not only great, it's simple and it's doable. Like at no point did you say, oh, you have to invest in, in, in this and look for this market and all that. Like it's, it's simple, doable, accessible, and it's something you can start. Um, and also if you're doing it correctly, you can see exactly where your money is going. And absolutely, if you, if you may have done a little bit too much party in that last six months, might need to change that lifestyle a little bit. So, um, so let's shift over to investments. Let's shift over to how people, one, how they get into it. Cause I know every, most people are, you know, especially me, when they get that job, get that new job, they, they see the retirement packages, see the 401k, they see the matching bonuses, things like that. But for the people who um, say, I want to make my money go longer. I want right. to make my money do more than just the average annual you know, uh, investment that, that comes in a 401k. Mm-hmm. What are some little things that you've seen in, in your experience that may help people at least understand what they can do with their money when they want to invest. Right. Well, you know, I always say easy is better. So, you know, when you want to invest, let's start with the company that you're working with or for. You know, number one, uh, most companies are offering that 401k program, like you mentioned, for retirement. And it is a safe way to invest um, and it's a smart way to invest to start learning to invest. Uh, now, the company may have a limited number of investment options, but you can start to research so what those options are. You can um, understand, you know, the difference between the growth value, you know, short-term growth, you know, aggressive growth. You can start to analyze without any risk. And I say that because if you're putting, you know, three percent of your paycheck in. Uh, because the company's matching. First of all, that's the best free money you, you're ever going to get in your life, ever. It never stops as long as you don't stop. 
you you grow up and move out of your parents' house, they stop giving you money. At least that's your hope, right? You got another 10 years, but you hope that's what happens. It's not what happens, but I'm just telling you, just to, just to keep you happy, Mark. So, <laughs> so, you know, invest in that 401k. And the reason why I say it's minimal risk is because, number one, they're matching the dollars. So if you put in a dollar, they're matching another dollar or 50 cents on a dollar. So you have a dollar 50 for every dollar you put in. And then if you, when you invest it, you know, if that investment lost 5%, I mean, you know, you're down a nickel. So I'm just relatively speaking on a dollar. And so, you know, it's worth the lesson. You paid more to learn a lesson in college than you did for that. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's a cheap lesson for you to start understanding what's going on. And it's, and it's easy. Number two with work is if it's a publicly traded company and you work for them, you should be paying attention to sales, to firings, to hirings, to directions, to project changes, to career changes, to vision of the company, to the belief in management. And if you believe in the company and you work there, uh, that is also an easy purchase to make because you now know when things are good and you now know when things are bad. So you can make a decision. And if those companies have stock purchase programs, they usually allow you to buy those company stocks at a discount, usually somewhere around 20 to 25% of the discount. You don't pay any trading costs and they give it to you at, at a much better price because you are a member of the family, you're a member of the team. So those are the two easiest ways. I'm going to give you one more outside of that. So outside of that, um, you know, you can start putting money into uh, an account and like what we call um, a, like a mutual fund. I don't like mutual funds, but they're exchange traded funds. So you can open up a Meritrade account or Schwab account or or something along those lines. And you can start putting 25, 100 bucks a month into these things. And you can use the same philosophy getting started as with the 401k plan. So if you end up putting, you know, $1,200 into this account over 12 months, and the account dipped, you know, 10%, you're down $120, still not even the books price of the courses that you, one course that you took in college. So it's worth the lesson. And you don't want to wait until you have $120,000 and then lose 10% because now you're pissed, right? Now you're unhappy because you just lost 12 grand. But if you start learning and experimenting um, early, then you can start teaching yourself with less risk. And if you are someone that hasn't done that and you've already started, um, and you're not real sure to do, then you got to hire a professional. So, so let's get there because that's a great segue into hiring professionals because I know there's a lot of people who they think to themselves, okay, I'm just going to watch the money go up and go up. And I, I, I really don't want to pay somebody to do something I could be doing myself. And, mm -hmm. and from, for somebody who, you know, struggled to, to, to really get fit until I got a professional, a personal trainer. Okay. Like I can tell you, I, I was much better after a personal trainer mm -hmm. to someone who understands why, you know, therapy is great for people exactly. who have mental health issues. So tell your reason, this is your platform right now to tell people why <laughs> is it a good idea to hire an investor, an advisor? Why is it a good idea to, to hire someone to help you with your portfolio? Well, you know, man, that's, that's, it's, it's self-serving to answer this, but I'm going to answer it in the way that you already answered it. So if you take a look at the wealthiest people in the universe, 
They all have investment advisors and they all have more than one. I mean, the richest people in the universe have investment people that help them manage their resources. And you might say, well, they're wealthy. Why do they need help? You know, they already know how to do it. If they have billions of dollars or millions and millions of dollars, look, everybody that is great has a coach. The best golfers have a coach. The best athletes have a coach. The best Hussein Bolt has documented on Prime Prime TV that I love. I love documentaries, and I've already watched this documentary, Hussein Bolt, and he gives amazing amounts of credit to his coach, fastest man in the world ever, and he says it was my coach. And so you need help with things that you are not doing as an expertise. You know, the amount of hours it takes ten thousand hours to become an expert. Uh, I can't even tell you how many hours I'll go back and look and see how many hours I have doing what I do and all the circumstances have been through the internet bubble burst, have been through the 2008 real estate market crash, uh, been through the pandemic. And so, you know, what happens to people is that they think, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to save money by not hiring and paying someone to do something that I believe I can do until it hits the fan. And then they're like, upset and mad they didn't hire somebody to help them see the way so i would tell you that it is the people that um they're just they're they're working against their best interest to not hire somebody or to pick it up as their number one side hustle hobby and learn it either one's fine everybody doesn't need somebody um and then and then go from there and I, I, if you, I, I know he's kind of fallen off because injury. But even if you look back in Tiger Woods' prime, like the work he did with his coach, it's amazing. Always working, always, always working on his swing, always working on his short game, always working on that mental focus. Yeah. Like there's a reason. Like there's a reason. There's a reason <laughs> that that, prime, that premier athletes have a mindset coach or or sports psychologist. It's a reason they have mm-hmm. a swing coach. I mean, Steph Curry has a shooting coach. Then they have a dribbling coach, a different cat. There's a dribbling. I mean, you know, people don't understand that if you want to extract the best out of yourself, you know, once you've done that, you need somebody else to go deeper. And there is more in all of us. And I have a coach, you know, and I have had I've had a nutritionist coach and I've had a uh, I've had a soul, a soul spiritual coach, you know, to help me be in more connection and stop being so go, go, go you know, with the work-life balance. I saw your Facebook mm-hmm. page with the work-life yeah. seesaw. So, you know, we all are off kilter a little bit, but we all need help getting on kilter, number one, and then elevating number two. And I, I think those are great points. And I think it is human nature. There's nothing, I'm not gonna say anything negative, but it's human nature for us to get to a part of our life that we're happy and to kind of rest on our laurels oh, absolutely. a little bit. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody does it like, hey, I got this place, so I'm just gonna be lazy now. But once you shoot a thousand shots and, and most of them go in, you're like, okay, I, I got mm-hmm. this now. I got it. And that form gets tweaked a little bit mm-hmm. and you don't, you can't see it. Right. You're, you're yourself. You can't see it. So you need that person to come in and, and coach you a little bit. So I, I appreciate that. So with all this knowledge, everything you've gained, you've decided to, to write a book. And <laughs> as I've mentioned, as I've mentioned on this show many times, I am enamored with authors. I love that fact that someone decided to take the time to be disciplined, to put time each day to write the book and get a publisher, get an editor, make sure, make somebody else look at your work, which for me is very tough, which oh, is me. It's very, and it, <laughs> it's and very it, and tough. it was tough, bro. 
That's clear. (laughs) So talk about the genesis of the book. I understand you have the expertise, you have the knowledge, but why decide to write this book? Well, you know, you've heard this story before. I've heard it before. Um, I I was farting around with this idea of writing a book, a money book for over 10 years. And as I stated, when I opened up, I am not a boring dude. So I'm like, this is boring. You know, I wrote the I wrote the intro. I didn't write the intro. I wrote the first chapter. And I'm like, this is a just ungodly boring. Nobody, I mean, this is just boring. If I don't want to read it, this is boring. So it kind of got shelved. And I then I picked it up after a year or two and I wrote another chapter. And then I said, you know what? This is I can't take this, right? So and then I found a friend, a really good college friend of mine. His wife was a uh, prolific um, English teacher. So she was trying to break into the world of being a ghostwriter. So I'm like, yeah, we're going to get together. And I hired her to start. I gave her the first two chapters to kind of tear apart and redo. Man, and when she gave him, she's a great woman. The problem was she's just too goddamn smart. So when I got the book back, man, it was like a it was like a PhD thesaurus, man. I had to go look words up to figure out that I had wrote, that I had to figure out what the heck they meant. So I told her, I said, look, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the average American reads at the seventh grade level. And uh, she was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, but this is written at like postgraduate. <laughs> and so she's like, okay, well, I, you know, she didn't use the word dumb it down, but I'm like, you need to dumb this down. So she did her best and I still couldn't read it. So that didn't work. So I told her, thank you. And I just, that didn't work. So it kind of sat on the shelves another couple years, man. And then I was doing a workshop on setting goals. And so, you know, of course the group said, okay, well, what's one goal that you've not accomplished that you need to accomplish? And of course there's a looming book out there. So I said, ah, my book. And they said, okay, you're going to set a goal. So as part of the group, I set a goal that I was going to finish this book. And so I had already kind of made the decision, um, that I was going to only cover a couple chapters of money because it was too goddamn boring. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. a whole book on money was just too like paint, right? So I decided to write it on because I was I'm a I'm a uh, sports fanatic like you. I mm-hmm. spin instructor and I taught kickboxing and all. I don't do it anymore, but I taught all that stuff for a long time. Had my own spin studio, and so very spiritual, you know, raised in the church very active in the community relationships was married plus 20 plus years. So I felt like I had enough ammunition to write on the five core pillars of life with a really heavy dose on the money side, which is exactly what I did. And so the book turned out really well. It's not a, it's not a book on, um, you know, how Derek became successful. It's a book on how do you get these things in order. So how do you take the discipline? And you are a thousand percent right about this process, man. It, it, I started in March and I was finished with the, uh, the first draft by father's day in June. So you go, man, I was really fast, but bro, when the editor sent it back to me, I had 14,000 bleeding changes circled red Mm. marks. 14,000 on 65,000 words. So percentage-wise, you might go, that's not bad, but fixing 14,000 mistakes was a pain. And then, of course, she had me rearrange the book, and she says, no, you're good. You just got to rearrange this, make it flow a little better. So we did that. And uh, But it was, it, was, it was painful. 
That see that the fact that one you had the self the self awareness enough to know that you know anytime somebody picks up a book and it's it's not you know it's not a story or it's not non fiction and it's it's about money of all things like you have to somehow keep them reading the book and for you to have that self awareness to be like if i'm not going to enjoy this <laughs> and i'm writing it <laughs> and i'm writing it yeah. who else is going to enjoy it and then on the sec to have the self awareness to be like okay this might be too much for the readers if it's written at this phd level right. like i i don't want them to feel stupid for reading my book that's trying to help them. Dude, I felt so. stupid. I was like, what does this mean? You should have saw me. I had a, I had a, I had a dictionary, and then I ended up not finding the, the things in the dictionary, so I had to Google <laughs> I had to Google what they meant. I was like, wow. Uh, so in your book, you, you say, and others say that you, you know, break down the code and give readers exactly the tools they need. What are What is one or two things that people can expect to get from this book? I don't want you to give it away. I want people to yeah. go out and buy it. No, I hope they do. But what are just some things that people will get from this book? So, you know, the main thing is that, well, there's a couple things. Um, let's talk about the money side. So I give away the secret, like, and I, I coveted this secret like it was mine to covet forever. Um, you know, people pay me thousands of dollars to help them fix their money thing. Um, but I give it to people in the book. And the reason why is because I figured out it's not mine to covet. So I lay out exactly um, how to separate church and state. And I do it in every level. So we do it with people who it works for people who have millions. It works for people who are just getting started. Um, and we go through the differences and how to start inflecting investment investments into it and the whole shoot match. So, you know, part of the code and the reason why I called it the code is because, you know, if you look at our DNA, I don't know if you've ever been to like a major amusement park you know, taking the girls to a major amusement park like Disney or somewhere. But I get like completely overtaken by the sheer vastness of numbers of people who have different faces, different fingerprints, different set of eyes. Nobody in that park can open up my telephone, but me. And it's amazing. So we have our own code. And so the book talks about, are you a morning person? Are you a detailed person? Do you like to like the big picture? And so, okay, well, if you like the big picture, you need to get your spouse to manage the money. Because <laughs> you're gonna be broke, <laughs> right? And if your spouse is 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 a big picture person, then you need to hire somebody to be detailed. So you have to find. So you have to find out what your genetic code is. Are you really good at monitoring this once a week, once every two weeks, once a month? Because it doesn't matter what the interval is. What matters is the consistency of the interval. So if you say I'm gonna look at this really intensely once a month, then that's what it has to be. But you have to match the discipline. And the same thing goes, you know, if I could have written a book and said, um, it's your it's your mindset, stupid, you know, I would have. But you can't tell people that their head game is messed up because, you know, and I know and you know this from an athlete's perspective and our 6 a.m. runners know this, the ones that are been running, you know, yeah, when you start, it hurts, but then it hurts so good. And then you're upset if it doesn't hurt. And then you're like. That was easy. Did I do? Did I not do enough? And so, you know, it's the consistency that makes it easy. 
it was it was never easy. Take take off two months and then start over again and see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're gonna be like, oh God, this is what it was like before when you know, okay. So it people make things look easy, like you were talking about earlier, like Tiger making those amazing shots or Michael Jordan or mm-hmm. or Liberace or whoever hitting notes in a concert. They practice it thousands of times a week. And so the book is about Hey, let's get your head game on right. And once you get your head game on right, you can apply this to money. You can apply it to your fitness. You can apply it to your relationships. You know, you can apply it to everything. Now, I don't go into massive amounts of details on the relationships, on spirituality, on your mindset and and um, your emotional stability. I go heavy in on the money because I'm an expert at money. But trust and believe that the, your mindset controls every aspect of your life. And if you can get the money side right. And the reason why I start with the money, man, is because money, if your money's right and the girls are acting, your daughter's acting a little crazy, you can you can buffer a little bit of crazy because you got the money to buffer it. It's when you don't have the money and you feel like you're disappointing your kids and you're like, oh my God, I promised them they can go to ballerina school and I only got money for one of them to go to ballerina. I mean, you know, that's pressure, right? And your wife's looking at you cross-eyed like, what do you mean, you know, we can't, we can't blah, blah, blah. You're like, uh, uh, right. Or maybe you, I'm not trying to be sexist, but you know, money, money makes the world go round. So we, I figure out if, if I can help you get your money right, then I can get your attention on the rest of the stuff. Then we can get your fitness right. You know, then we can get your relationships right. I, I think, I'll, and this is why I kind of started off with the stigma around money because we, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. But literally, we need it. We <laughs> literally need it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm saying this as a person who figured this out later in life than my siblings did. Mm-hmm. I was I, I was the big picture guy, Derek. That was me. I right. was a big. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I was the big picture guy. And uh, as I've gotten older into my 30s and 40s, I've I've shifted away from that mindset. And I I do do the you know finances for my household. So. Um, and I see, you know, you see what you need to pay for. You see, uh, and I'll say this, I think there's one thing that people will get from this and probably get from you is it really makes you not only pay attention to what you can afford and what you can't afford, of course, Mm -hmm. but it really helps. It it makes conversations easier in my opinion. It really does. Dude, a hundred percent. You can't, I can't tell you. I'm, you see, you, for those of you that are just listening, I'm smiling like I just ate, you know, I just stole a gold watch or something. But but listen, I, I benchmark my book, my business, my coaching on saving relationships because the number one cause of divorce, at least domestically, number one cause of divorce is, is a lack of communication. Guess what they're communicating about? Mm-hmm. That money and the lack of that money and where's the money and how come we can't blah, blah, blah. And I want to do this and do that. And, you know, one of the things I would caution you on is it's not that you can't afford it. It's just not the highest priority. That's the way I started right. rewording right. my yep. stuff. That's, we can, that's a great, we can do yeah. anything we want, not all at the same time, not at the same moment, not in the same season. But if we want to, if we want to escalate that priority, um, let me tell you a story real quick, man. When 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 I was uh, we were trying to get our first house, we were young. I was probably 25, 26 years old, and you know my wife at the time said, you know I want I want a house, I want a house. I'm like, okay, great. Let me put together a plan. I'm a financial guy. We put together a plan, and the plan was don't buy shit 
if it don't have nothing to do with the new house, right? <laughs> I mean, if it had nothing to do with us eating, going to church, or our immediate necessities, we're not buying it. And let me tell you something, man. I put us in, we got the house. But man, by the time we got the house, she was looking at me cross-eyed like, I really don't like you very much. And so I had to learn that lesson. Luckily, it didn't divorce us at the mm-hmm. time. Um, but I had to learn that lesson. So even when I'm coaching now, you know, my, my, my job is to make sure that he doesn't feel emasculated by asking mama for money. And that she doesn't feel like she's working her hind parts off and got to go ask dad for money. So our money system attacks that directly so that that's not a problem. And I, and, and my clients tell me, and I don't, I don't start off telling them that but they come back and they go, you know what? We haven't had a money fight in about four or five months. Mm-hmm. I'm like, good. That, that I, I love that. I love that where, there's always, and we talk about this on the show all the time, whether you want to get in shape or get financially responsible or buy a house or what, the whys behind things, mm-hmm. the whys behind it. Yeah, I want to be financially you know, responsible. I mean, it. go ahead and do it. You can be single and alone and not social and live that type of, of life, but we're social creatures. Right. We are social creatures. And the last time I checked, most of, at least most people I know, they, they, either have a job they want to be in the workforce they're bringing money home they have responsibilities they have things they have to do and to me and this is my personal opinion making money on my own just to make it and not having a life or not being happy or not sharing my goals and dreams and with with someone else or a family or friends or neighbors it's just not worth it to me yeah what's the point what's the point exactly yeah i mean i ask people all the time i said let me ask you a question do you want to be super healthy and broke do you want to be super rich and alone? Do you want to be super fit, financially secure, and spiritually bankrupt? I mean, which one of these do you want to not have? Do you want to have a really? Do you want to be depressed, physically fit, spiritually good, great relationship, but you're depressed all the time? I mean, which one do you want? And so the answer is none of those. I want none of those, bro. And so asking those questions. Um, tells you that you need all of them and the people who don't end up with one of those problems, depressed yeah. or alone or, you know, and people may say, oh, I'm good alone. Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it takes, it's there, like I said earlier, there's 8 billion of us on this planet. So, okay. <laughs> you're, you're the one that wants to be alone. Go for it. So, and I think one of the things that a lot of people have in the back, especially my generation and people, um, yeah, around my age, they always have that thought in their head about, okay, when is the next crash going to happen? Not if, but when, right. when's the next reset? We always hear, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Is there any way? And I know there's, there's no hundred percent guarantee that you can always protect yourself from things like that. Right. But is there a way that people can do a better job of protecting themselves from market crashes, from recessions? from when the housing market does what it did back in 2007, 2008. Right. And thank God I did not buy a house with an arm. I almost like I was talking to my parents right. about buying this house with an arm and they talked me out of it. Thank God. But is there any way to protect yourself from something like that happening? I'm smiling, man, because I can imagine your dad going, no, we're not doing that. No, it does not make mathematical sense. No. I can just see it, bro. But anyway, yes. 
let's talk about that because there is no ironclad way, but there are some things that make great sense. So number one, the number one thing that I think everyone should do is they should become a minimalist. Now, I'm not talking about going out buying a tiny house. I'm just saying, why buy things you don't absolutely need? And do you need everything that you've already bought? You know, there's something called the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule. And it basically states that we only use 20% of the things effectively that we have, be it our clothes, be it our relationships, um, whatever. So I would say becoming a minimalist and what that does financially is it gives you more agility. If you have less debt, then you can be more agile and you need less income. So if you have a two income household, I mean, man, your goal should be to live on one income. That would be the goal. And I know you're sacrificing the amenities and luxuries of all the things, but you're asking me how to avoid being stuck or stung in a crisis and having the least amount of debt, um, the least amount of out work cash flow, maximum inflow is one way to do it. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I'm big on hard assets. Um, I'm not saying to run out and go buy a bunch of gold, but, you know, buy things that appreciate, you know, buy things that appreciate. And so, you know, investing, you know, in all your, and diversify, right? You want to invest all your money in the stock market. You don't invest all your money in real estate. You don't invest all your money in gold, but you want to diversify and, you know, I'm big on having cash on hand. I think that, you know, everybody in the universe should have have 100 grand stashed away somewhere. It's just a goal. It's just a goal. Right. What if they do away with the currency? Well, you're going to, have to try exchange it out, but at least you have it to exchange out. And so, you know, there's no foolproof way. There's no reason to run around like Chicken Little. But give you an example with the real estate market crash. Real estate investors during the market crash that invested using arms bid it hard, and you can you can fast forward to you can fast forward to the pandemic, and you can say real estate investors who had tenants that didn't have to pay rent because the government said you're cool because you're not working. Um, the ones that purchased the right way, they didn't overfinance. They still were able to outlast the uh, that that period that people weren't paying rent. The property values still went back up. I mean, values in Florida went through the roof since 2007, 2008. They're back to where they were plus. And so if you can weather the storm by being a minimalist, and I'm not saying you should sit at home and you should, you know, be having popsicles for, for dinner. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, you got to take a look. Do you need every Amazon delivery that you had come to your house last month? And I said, I said need. So, you know, start looking at things that way and figuring out, you know, do we have enough cash on hand? Can we survive if we both got laid off during the pandemic for, you know, eight months? Can we last without using our 401k plan? You know, because a lot of people can last, but they're now they're, they don't have any pension. They don't have a retirement. So I know it's a long answer to a short question, but I gave you I gave you two or three different scenarios so the audience can kind of figure out which one fits them best. Yeah, I'm going to just uh, clip that and send it to my wife. Just <laughs> Bro, don't get me in trouble. <laughs> once, you, once you mentioned, do we need every Amazon delivery? I was like, oh. You should have seen my wife put in our cart for the prime day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, so, here, here's what I here's what I, I have a client that that made me create a strategy for Amazon. Mm -hmm. And so, because they were doing great. 
but they were like, these Amazons are just off the chain. And we're talking, mm-hmm. you know, 1500 a month on these Amazon purchases, wow. right? Oh, they wow. were just ordering. They, they yeah. Kids see something, they put it in a cart. Somebody see, mm-hmm. you know, so what we did was we, we gave it a 30-day rule. So you could put it in a cart, you can't buy it for 30 days. And in 30 days, if you still want it or need it, and it's in the budget because you have a set, you have to have a set amount. Every dollar has a duty. You have to set amount for Amazon, your Amazon cart, and you still want it and need it after thirty days. You can buy it. And what they found out was they literally bought less than ten percent of the stuff that was in their cart. So they cut their Amazon bill down tremendously because, of course, the next thirty days they start the cart over again. Right. So it's not thirty days. You know, okay, it's the first everything that we have. We had to look. No, no, no. If you put something in there yesterday, it's thirty days from yesterday. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And I think that is, that's, you know, they, they tell you when, in professional writing, like if you're going to write something, write it, do not send it immediately. Let that thing linger and make sure, especially if you're writing something that might be a little heated and right. you're upset. Yeah. I think the same, we can do the same thing for spending. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in, in a world where we can literally get almost anything we want within 48 hours, <laughs> if not immediately. Right. That is probably something that most of us should start doing. No, I but, agree. Um, Did you see the other day that eBay came out with eBay auto parts? No, I didn't. You can literally uh, order whatever auto part you want yourself and take it to a mechanic and go, here, you can't, you can't, you know, put one over on me anymore. Here's the part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I tell you what, man, this, it's, it's getting easier and easier, but, um, I tell you what, though, it is it's it's one of those things where you're they they don't unless you took a finance class or a money class or whatever, they don't teach much. And and I remember asking I had somebody on this show. I forgot who it was. Um, and one of the questions, it wasn't even a question. It was a statement I made that, you know, we don't get taught finance in school. We don't get taught numbers in school. Absolutely. And, and the, guy st- the guy stopped me. Because he had had the same thought. And he said, I talk to teachers. Like, they're some of the lowest paid individuals who work the hardest in America. They don't know what to do with their money. Nope. Like, how would you expect them to teach others? Yeah, but it's not part, th- part of the system, man. No, it's just part yeah. of the system. They don't think mm-hmm. about it. Nobody, anyone who is selling a good doesn't want you thinking about if you can afford it. Anyone that's taking your money doesn't want you worried. all he wants you to do is go to work because because right. people who go to work no seriously people yeah. who go to work mm-hmm. will figure it out like good solid people who go to work will figure out how to pay for whatever it is whatever damage they caused mm-hmm. right then there's this stigma about bankruptcy unless you're donald trump you know there's a stigma about bankruptcy and you know so you know i get older clients i'm talking like 70 year olds that are up to their eyeballs with credit card debt and i tell them you'll file bankrupt you'll never make enough money to pay that that back mm-hmm. and your quality of life is crap it's crap and the, and there is no color issue i have white black hispanic indian all of them come in with this debt that they got hemmed up on and so back to your original point man they don't teach finances in school because they don't want you to go this is dumb i'm gonna make a great a good wise financial decision and hold this purchase off until i can pay for it in cash no 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 buy that mattress 90 days same as cash 180 days same as cash three i've seen them 360 days same as cash 
because they don't want you counting the pennies. They want you to go, oops, I messed up. And my brother's an attorney and he did it with some stereo equipment at Best Buy. Bought all this stuff, surround sound stuff. He said, what do you think I should do? I said, I think you should pay for it, right? We're too nuts, right? He's an attorney. I'm a financial guy. We're in Best Buy, like two kids in a candy store. He said, what do you think I should do? I think you should pay for it like right now. He goes, nah, but they're giving me, they're giving me, you know, six months, blah, 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 or whatever it was. No interest. I'm like, you asked me, why are you, why are you going to, you know, why are you asking me again? Do what you want. You're a grown man. He goes, I'm going to do it. Dude, I promise you, I am not lying. I promise you. You got my name. You can Google me. They can find my brother. They can call and ask him. He missed that payment by one day and all the interest was due. And he made the interest and the principal payment in full the day after. And I'm like, I'm like dude, you could have just made the base payment when I told you to and saved yourself whatever the interest was, which were hundreds and hundreds of dollars, you know. And so we all get caught. It's not a matter of it's not a matter of intelligence. It's a matter of habit. And they know if we get the, get in the habit of analyzing what we're spending and buying and when and how, that sales are going to slow down, and they don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I'm not even going to, I mean, you, you want to blame it on something. You want to say it's capitalism and say it's greed. It's just, again, it's one of those human nature things. And, and we don't talk about money. We don't talk about yeah. finances. It's a stigma around it. And, and everybody wants to keep up with the Joneses. And I don't know about you. I don't know any Joneses. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know them. No. I don't want to know don't them. If I have to keep up with, yeah, yeah. if I have to keep up with them, then let them do their own thing. Yeah. Let me uh, ask I'm you a question. I want to ask you a question. Sure. Your CPA, accountant, anal retentive number dad, did he teach you and your siblings about personal finance? Like, like, hey, this is money coming in. This is what you do with it. This is how you prioritize. Did he? I'm just curious. I'm not judging him. And you mm-hmm. might say I'm going to pass because you don't want your dad listening to this. But, but I'm just asking. No, it's a great, it's a great, I'll answer any question. It was not, it was not taught in the way where he sat us down and like taught my brother and I how to change a tire or taught us how to like shoot a basketball was not taught in that way. Okay. It was more of a, and I know this is more of a, you see how I'm leading this family. I assume you guys know the same thing. Yep. Here's the thing. Both my brother and my sister picked up on it. (laughs) They both picked up on it. (laughs) I am. I was I was the more um, emotional kid. I was the more happy-go-lucky, funny, you know, we all have tomorrow type person. Right. And got myself into some money trouble in my 20s. And, and you know, the light bulb went off finally and said, you know what? Like, stress is too much. Yeah, like, absolutely. Stress is too much. Well, that's interesting. And, that's yeah. a great answer because, yeah. you know, it, it really is the answer I, I expected. Not necessarily about your brother and sister. That's an added bonus. But, you know, even the smartest people don't sit down and say, OK, let me let me help you um, manage your birthday money, your Christmas money, your um, graduation money. And let me show you with this little bit of money how you properly set up a system so that, you know, you can pour this over into your college years. And then you can pour that over because I was hungry in college. Boy, I, they, they you know, I, I got a full scholarship and they gave us money for food and rent. And I dang near got kicked out and starved so, because it's not taught. It's, it's not taught. And, and you know what? My, in, in, in my dad's, not really in his defense, but he was big on like every dollar needs to be saved. And yeah. I just, I, I didn't, 
like that part didn't resonate with me. Like everything you got, this savings account, savings account. Like when, when do, like when do I get to spend? Yeah, this? when do I get like, to have some I, fun? Yeah. fun? And everything was, and my brother got that directly from. Like my brother wouldn't spend his own money. Like he would, he his best line was always, "I don't want to break this bill. I don't want to break this hey, bill." It's like, bro, absolutely carry hundreds because uh, I don't want to break them either. <laughs> I don't, I don't bro, yeah. break this bill. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but now you know, now it's it's it took me a little later, and then my brother and my sister, and 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 they know that, and I know that. I remember this is funny. I had a conversation with my mother, God rest her soul. <laughs> the, the moment my wife and I bought our first house. I remember calling her and telling her that. And then it was kind of silent on the phone. And I said, you never thought I'd own a house. She's like, no, I didn't. like, no, I Mom, thank you. Come on, Mom. You're supposed to be my number one supporter. Come on. Uh, she's like, no, I didn't. That's I was hilarious. like, listen, I, I changed, Mom. I got this now. I got this. Good I'm for good. you. So, uh, but, Derek, well, this has been great. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, this last, this, this one yeah. point. Oh, sure, like, but you found your code, right? You found yes. your way, mm-hmm. your timing, your why, and you've, are starting to master that. And that's, that's the key. It's like, you can't, you're not your brother. You're not your sister. You didn't pick it up the same way. Uh, you didn't pick it up at all until later, mm-hmm. but you, <laughs> totally but you did pick it up and it kicked in once you knew what was what. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I remember having to, I always tried to compare myself to him and thinking like, why can I be this way physically in that? But and I got to the point where I was like, you can do it your own way. Absolutely. Like it, there's no, you can do it your own way. So I 100%. hope people under, understand that. So Derek, this has been great. How do people learn more about you online? How do they buy the book or how do they just keep up with what you're doing? Hey, the fastest and easiest way is just to go to DerekGant.com and it's uh, D-E-R-I-C-K-G-A-N-T.com and you can get access to my social links. You can schedule a one-on-one appointment. You can order the book. Um, all of it's on, on there. We made it super easy for people to gain access and to elevate their lives. I mean, it, you don't have to pay the big premium. If you want it done quick and fast, you can pay the, pay the big premium. If you want to slow roll it, DIY it, we have a mobile app. We got all kinds of things to help people really start to change their lives. And we appreciate that. It's again, the book is called the 24 K life code. It's available paperback ebook hardback. He has a, a planner. There's a lot there. So head over to DerekGant.com. Derek, this has been amazing. Thanks so much for your knowledge. Keep doing what you're doing. The world is a better place financially at least (laughs) no not just financially because you talk about you want people to get better with communication with relationships spiritual all that good stuff so we appreciate what you're doing you have a great rest of your day and we wish you nothing but success in your future thank you so much mark Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AM Run to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.